Hello, Playdate. Welcome to episode six of the Hello Playdate podcast. My name is Don. My name is Nick. My name is Ryan. And my name is Nicholas. We have a special guest. Uh, we have with us uh, Nicholas Manier, the developer of Pickback Pup. But he is here because he's excited about one of the releases for week six of season one and uh, approached us to talk about this uh, exciting game we will talk about here in a little while. I'm not going to spoil the title so that uh, listeners can listen to this beginning section of the podcast if they like to. And then we'll get to the uh, titles later in the show. But I totally uh, did you. not see the name of the game in the title of the episode either. I'm sure. Right. If you somehow <laughs> skip that, I know I like having it in the episode so people can see it down the road. Whoa, the spoilers. Whatever. Oh. <laughs> anyway, uh, Nick Nicholas, we really appreciate you uh, reaching out to us. Of course, we we you know we totally. love the game, so we're not gonna like I said, we're not gonna fanboy about it too much. But we appreciate you talking to us and uh, joining us as a regular or as a guest host this week. So, Ryan, you have a couple of news and notes that uh, you'd like to bring up. Can you want can you lead us through that section of the show? Totally. Yeah. Uh, News and notes. So Panic is accepting game pitches. I woke up to a an announcement from them on Discord that said, we are now accepting pitches from everyone. You can pitch your Playdate game to us if you're interested in getting funded and or distribution for a future season or catalog. So that makes me really excited because they've been super cagey about, oh, we're on season one. We don't know if we'll ever do another so this was like the first official mention that I had heard of, of another future season coming down the line. I mean, I assumed it must have been coming from the interest in the playdate. But anyway, there it is. And it said, or catalog, our curated playdate store via our type form. You can learn more here. And uh, there will be a link in the show notes for today's episode so that you can go take a look at that form. Uh, they also said... We're interested in you as a creator, and we want to particularly encourage those who are often underrepresented in the games industry to apply. We want to work with you to help bring your concepts to life, which again, I said this during the Krista interview a couple days ago, but I just think this is such a cool thing that Panic does that they are looking for creators who are not always accepted by the larger gaming industry and want to give folks a chance to get published games under their belt, uh, like they did with Sweet Baby Inc., uh, Lost Your Marbles, and you know I'm sure a few others over the course of season one. So awesome, panic. <laughs> I hope that our link in the show notes will help direct some more people your way. Uh, so that was one. And then I had uh, just, uh, yeah. Just um, on this one, uh, you, I did want to mention that you did just post an interview with uh, Krista Morgan. That's right. Who hosts the Playdate podcast. So if you haven't listened to that, uh, please check that out. Interview number one. And she kind of semi-confirmed season two when you asked her about it. She didn't outright confirm it, but she didn't unconfirm it when you asked her about it. But yes, I think that I saw this drop on Friday, June 3rd. 2022 and we recorded that same day so i referenced that in our interview as well so uh maybe she was allowed to talk about it at that point i don't know but anyway uh exciting news that there's looks like there's going to be a season two um officially cool. yeah and i wanted to ask nick and nicholas as you both are developers 
do you take this as a call to developers or a call to people like me that may have you have a game idea and don't know what they're doing? Uh, well, I think it's uh, interesting because there is two mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. They talk about the season two and they talk about catalog. And I think for season two, they probably are looking more for season developer, but probably also open any developer. But I think this is more can maybe the expectation. But for catalog, like I, when I see um, what Island did, that was, I don't, I don't remember who created Island, but it was his first game. And it was a fantastic oh. uh, game. So like, uh, I said that would be uh, totally good to have on catalog, for example. So anyone who can make games, I think if you have a good idea, just check the yeah pitch the idea up for for catalog or even season two if you really believe in your idea. I don't know. <laughs> is Island a season one game? I- Island is the indie that that you reviewed a few episodes back. <laughs> oh, Island, <laughs> yeah, Island. That, yeah, sorry. I'm this is a charm of the French Elliot. accent. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. In my head, I immediately snapped to Island, the uh, the real word, not the made up word. Of course, yeah, Island. Um, Nick, what do, what do you think? Yeah, I have to agree. I think I think they're looking for season developers for um, okay. season games. But uh, as far as catalog, I, you know, the promise is similar to itch. I, I think that. Uh, Anybody who can develop a game could potentially be published through this distribution network, and I think that's very exciting. Cool. Okay. Yeah i i I think it's all super exciting. I don't. I actually don't think it's just a call to seasoned developers because they've been very clear about their uh, motive for helping new developers gain a platform for what they want to do. Uh, so. I think, like Nicholas said, if the game is good, they're going to take a look at it. I mean, they're going to get a ton of submissions, I would imagine. But yeah. uh, I, I don't envy that uh, slush pile, for lack of a better word. Yeah. I, I interned at Marvel Comics way back in ancient times, and they were taking unsolicited calls for comics pitches at the time. And when I was interning, they kind of sit me in this room and said, hey, go sift through this mountain of things and see if there's anything decent in there. And I did not even make a dent in that pile. I, I'm i certain they did not get through everything. So I would imagine it's going to be maybe similar for Panic. Like they're going to have their job cut out for them if they're making a completely open call for submissions. It's going to be a lot of stuff to wade through, I would think. But, you know, it'll be interesting. Uh, maybe a good problem to have for panic. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Okay. All right. Uh, and what is your retro derby follow-up you got going on here? Ooh, I'm glad you asked because uh, retro derby, the indie that I mentioned last week has been updated. Uh, so I can't remember if I mentioned that there was a gameplay mechanic where the two cars pass you by continually. And the way it was set up, they were on these revolutions where the cars would pass you at the same exact location every time if you'd ramped up your speed. And so it was very easy to get into a rhythm and find exactly where you needed to move. And not only me, but some other folks who chimed in on uh, the itch page mentioned that. And the developer was very receptive and uh, has come out with an update. And I'm really happy to say that it fixed that um, uh, predictable 
nature of the cars that you're trying to avoid. And I think it makes the game even better. I was excited about it before uh, having played the original as a kid, but uh, now I'm even more so. So I wanted to mention that and we will have that link in the show notes as well. And uh, I also want to do another follow-up because uh, a game I mentioned previously by SN Studio uh, was called uh, Tochi, and they are releasing the second Tochi, uh, which I believe is called Tenchi. Is that right? I'm, I need to check it out. Anyway, there's, like- there is a link to uh, their Twitter page where they showed a little gif an animated gif clip of the game and i gotta say it it looks better than the first uh it looks like there's more to do more to collect more to interact with it looks like a more polished version of the first tochi so uh they were hinting at a june release here we are in june i don't think it's dropped yet but uh when it does i'm going to be real excited to sideload that up uh so cool any Thoughts on Tenchi or Tochi 2 before I mention this one last follow-up? Yeah, I find myself checking the itch page every day just because games are coming out yeah. so fast. Totally. Yeah. I so I think it won't surprise I, me if we see that any day now. I think Panic is surprised by that too. Cause again, referencing the Krista interview, she was like, yeah, you know, it started out as this like few handfuls of games that I was able to play all of them. And now it's just amazing how every day there's a new game popping up. Like, Oh, what's this? And oh, I'm like, it's hard mm-hmm. to even get to all of them. So uh, I, I'm happy that we can highlight a few on here so that not only our listeners, but also us can, uh, find new games like Don showed me the other week with trap doors. That's my last follow-up. Um, I played trap doors. I sideloaded it after Don's recommendation. And that is so good. It's a very polished game. Just like Don said, um, you know, we're going to try to try to keep this podcast to a reasonable <laughs> link. So I won't go into a, a reiterative review of it, but go listen to Don's uh, review a couple weeks back. And uh, Don, thank you so much for the recommendation. Yeah. Glad you checked it out. Uh, Nicholas, do you find yourself checking out a lot of the uh, itch games? I unfortunately not so much because I already have trouble having time to, to, to play the games in the season. But uh, thankfully, there is your podcast, and which is always a good inspiration to know, like, oh, I should really check this game or this game, uh, so that I I play like for example, Island. I have Toshi on my list. I still didn't have played Bloom, for example. Like, I, there is big uh, blind spot. I bought Bloom, but I still didn't have time to play it. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it's really exciting to go on the each page, and like, there is so much new games released each time. It's really inspiring. I'm starting to get a backlog on my on my uh, play date as well. I downloaded Same. like five or six this week that I just haven't gotten to yet. Are you done with Bloom yet, Nick? Or are you still going? I'm I'm still trying to to beat that uh, Asteroids clone high score, but oh. uh, otherwise, yes. Um, great game. I don't know how you can do it, man. I try. I played a little bit of that thing this week, and it's tough. It's the toughest Asteroids clone on the play date. I think. <laughs> Anyway, well, speaking of uh, indie games, should we talk about a few? Let's, Let's do it. it. Sure. Uh, should we let our guest go first? Nicholas, do you want to yes, talk please. about your indie game of the week? 
Oh yeah, I mean it's not really of the week. It's like it's a bit older, but uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about like a joke worth ninety nine cents, yeah. uh, which is a weird title because I think it's worth much more than that. This is a really <laughs> really great game. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't know about the game, it's like um, a small like arcade game where there is a play date on screen and you move the crank and the play date on screen. The crank is also moving, but the goal is to use the crank to bounce, to make a guy bounce on your crank, like a little tiny guy, and you have to catch stars. And the goal of the game is to catch the star to make the, a joke progress. And this is a really, really long joke. And so it really gets really hard and hard. It's, it's kind yeah. of a like a roguelike because you have to start from the beginning each time. Uh, you have to start the joke from the beginning each time. And the music is absolutely uh, like fabulous. I mean, like there is so much good stuff in this game. Like it's just a must play, I think, on the play date. I, I was impressed how polished it was. It was the first game I bought on the play date. And I think this is the game that you show people. It's the game I show people when I show people the play date. Like, hey, check out this game. Because it's instantly easy to figure out what you're supposed to do. Bounce this dude on the crank. I was trying to get him to bounce on the handle for the longest time. And that's like almost impossible. So I thought this game was even harder. But uh, people were saying like you're supposed to get turning really fast. I find that to be basically impossible. What's the strategy? Because I cannot get through the joke. Uh, so how I play it is I just move uh, back and forth, but from the bottom. Mm-hmm. So just that the guy is like bouncing from one side to the other. Or okay. you just like, just make the guy bounce a, a tiny bit with like like small movement of the crank because the crank is very precise. So like you really just like small movement and the guy keep bouncing and bouncing and just so suddenly you get, just give a, big notch and jump higher to catch the star. I don't know. It's a very dexterity thing. It's very precise. Like, uh, yeah. Okay. That's, that's what I ended up doing. I still can't finish the joke. Have you finished it? Has anybody <laughs> finished it here? I haven't yet, but uh, I, I keep trying. I, I did finish the joke and it's really good. Nice. It's a really good joke. <laughs> <laughs> I, heard, I heard the ending is worth it. I don't want to spoil it, but I also don't think I'll ever be good enough to finish it. So I don't know. Is it like a five minute thing or a 10 minute thing? My son is nine and he thinks it's funny. So he wants to like try and beat me at it and get through the joke. I'm, I'm also a little afraid that it's going to be a dirty joke or something. Because <laughs> it's sing the song is singing about butts and whatnot, which he thinks is funny. So I don't know. I guess if the reward is a dirty joke, I won't feel too bad if he gets it. That's not dirty. It's a a safe joke. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, well, we should also mention that the the cost is 99 cents, but the minimum purchase is $1 on itch. So (laughs) (laughs) great joke there. Cool. Uh, um, Ryan, do you want to mention yours? Your indie game of the week? Yeah, sure. Um, the game I sideloaded this week is called Escape from Complex 32, and it's by a guy named Squid God Dev. And there will be a link to all these games in the show notes, uh, which, by the way, we are in the Indie Games of the Week section, if you didn't know that. We need to make a bed. That was for Don. So this Squid God Dev 
guy is uh, somebody who has been developing a number of games for the Playdate and documents them copiously on his YouTube channel. He's mm-hmm. also got a Patreon page and uh, uh, Twitter and a number of other different social media platforms, but he's really public about this whole development process, which I think is really interesting. Um, and this Escape from Complex 32 is a is similar in mechanics to a game like uh, Sheep Launcher. That was a Android game from gosh, probably 10, 15 years ago, probably 10 years ago, mm-hmm. where uh, you have a sheep and you're trying to move him upwards from the ground and you click and he bounces and then he sort of comes back down from gravity. But before he reaches the bottom of the screen, you want to click him again so he bounces further and you keep going higher and higher to you know into the atmosphere into outer space past planets etc uh so that's one game that i sort of liken it to another more current game that i have on my phone is called whirly bird where you're kind of using the the right. gyroscope to uh uh, move the guy onto different platforms and continue ascending up the screen but in this particular game escape from complex 32 you have this very abstract thing, uh, a very abstract player module, which is a, just a circle with a line through it. And when you click the A or B button, you basically fire out a little laser and it shoots you up the screen or wherever you're pointing just a little bit further. But of course, there are different obstacles that uh, form in your way and you have to avoid those. Um I've gotten up to like 300 and something. uh, I don't know if it's points or feet or whatever. Um, So I don't know if there is an escape from complex 32 is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) I actually messaged the guy on Twitter and did not get a response when I asked that. Mm. So uh, I I can't tell you if it's unending, if you're just going into infinity and trying for a high score, or if there is actually an ending to this game. But I thought that the physics of the game were quite good. So you control the direction of the laser with your crank on the playdate. And then when you fire, it fires you off in the opposite direction. Um, and I thought the, the physics, both in terms of the mechanics of the crank, but also like the direction that you move, the power that you move, and the ascent and descent up and down the screen were all spot on. So uh, I found myself playing this a surprising amount for as simple a concept as this game is. So have any of you guys seen this game before? Have you never played Doodle Jump? No. (laughs) What platform is that on? (laughs) Right. It literally has an arcade game of Doodle Jump. It's such a big mobile game. It's like almost on par with an Angry Birds. Huh. Yeah, yeah, this I'm is very much a doodle jump. You know, it it sounds it sounds like that game was made after the year two thousand, so no. that's my excuse. Oh, well, yeah, but it, it predates <laughs> Sheep Launcher. Sheep Launcher is a doodle jump clone. Uh, okay, okay, interesting. Well, thank you for the history lesson. I have to look that up. <laughs> I was just surprised. Well, if you go to a putt putt or something or Dave and Buster's, you'll see doodle jump. Okay, cool. I'll keep an eye out. Um, so, what do you guys think of Escape from? something or another 32 uh anybody played it anybody seen it yeah i've got it side loaded but i haven't played it yet oh 
We need to make an audio clip of Nick saying that so we can just play that each time we mention a new game. Yeah, I played it. I, I thought for sure once you hit level 100, you would escape because I kept getting to like 70. And so I thought, oh, once I hit 100, that'll be it. But no, then I kept going and going. So my record, yours is 300 something. Yeah. Yeah. I, mine's only in like 150 or something. So I, okay. I didn't get nearly as high. But yeah, I was hoping there would be like a hard out. I mean, it's called Escape from Complex 32. There had better be an ending in there. Right. 200 <laughs> levels. That's an escape somewhere. <laughs> Uh, it was fun watching him make the game or design the game on YouTube. And then a couple days later, it popped up on itch. And I was like, oh, there's here's that game I watched him make the other day. I don't know how he is developing and content creating, like recording and uploading to YouTube, mm. documenting all this like in real time, seemingly. And from the description on his Twitter page, like this is not his job. Like he has a, a software development job that he's doing full time. This is just what he does when he's not working, but uh, quite prolific. Uh, Nicholas, have you seen this game? No, not yet. Uh, I also wanted to see, to watch more videos of like people making games also on YouTube because I, I, I love this, this genre video. But uh, no, I didn't, I didn't see it yet. So yeah, I'm often like amazed of people even like Twitch streaming, you know, like they do the Twitch streaming of their game is just like, how do you do it? Like it's you have to entertain <laughs> and code at the same time. I, I cannot, <laughs> right? I cannot yeah. comprehend basically. That's that's a lot of hats to wear. But if yeah. you like YouTube stations with game development stuff for Playdate, uh, we should probably link to that in the show notes for today's episode. Mm-hmm. So I'll I'll look that up real quick and toss it toss it in there so that uh, Nicholas and others can take a look at uh, what Squid God Dev is doing. <laughs> I think the video where he was making this game was only like five or 10 minutes long too. Like it was, it was a nice snappy watch like a, while I was making dinner or something. But yeah, I, I remember, I remember like in, during college, I was going to college and working two jobs. Like maybe when you're younger, you just have that multitasking brain. And now that I'm in my forties, it's not, I'm not there. So maybe he, he looks like he's that. a younger dude. Yeah. yeah. He looks bit. like he's got the hunger, the fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't been worn down by children yet. <laughs> Yeah, but speaking of someone who can uh, ride a bike while they're playing Yakuza, right. listening to vinyl, and code a pinball machine all at the same time, but uh, not Nick. sideload yet. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but Nick, yeah, what uh, what's your pick of the week? Uh, so everybody uh might feel differently about this, but the name of the game that uh, I wanted to talk about was Super Corporate Tax Evader, and I find that name hilarious totally. <laughs> and the whole concept of the game just so funny um it hits me just right so the concept of the game all you're doing is turning the crank and you want to turn the crank while there's nobody in the room and at various points a person will burst into the room and you have to dock the crank to hide it from them um so what you're doing is shredding corporate documents and there's a lawyer who's visiting uh your boss outside of the door and you're in like a broom closet or something and uh you you just keep cranking those documents through the shredder it's it's such a fun parallel to uh to shredding um just feeding documents into this thing so um i think that the analog works really well and then hiding the crank is always nerve-wracking uh you always feel like you're seconds away from being busted uh before you do that 
And if the person walks in while the crank is undocked, you get put in jail. So um, it's it's just a really fun score deck game. You might have noticed that most of my picks are these kind of simple, straightforward arcade games. Um, I love typically extremely complex uh, story-driven games on uh, other platforms. But for the Playdate, I feel uh, these arcade-type experiences are, are just perfect for the platform. So um, one of the other interesting things about this game is that all the dialogue is uh, randomly thrown together. <laughs> so there will be uh, responses that make almost no sense uh, <laughs> to something that is said. So you can hear the uh, there's a little dialogue bubble and you'll be able to read the text between your boss and the lawyer outside of the door. And um, there are certain key words or phrases which might sound like the person's about to bust in the door, but that's not exactly true. And then the responses that you have when the person comes in, you steeple your fingers together and you say something in response. Oh, what's going on in here? <laughs> I'm uh, doing yoga or whatever. So it's uh, it's really fun and I find it very funny. And uh, it's, it's one of those games that I continuously go back to and just try to beat my high score. So um, have, have you all tried this, uh, Don? Yeah, I, I tried this one. Um, docking the crank is nerve wracking, and so I have to. I've been stressed out lately. I have to be in the mood to play this one. <laughs> it's too much for me. But yeah, I do love the the humor. It hits perfectly. This feels like a great WarioWare. There needs to be like a WarioWare game on here, and this is ideal for that type of thing. How about you, Nicholas? Have you uh, taken a look at Super Corporate Tax Evader yet? Yes, I I didn't play it, uh, but I am aware of the game. I, I watched people playing it, and I didn't realize that you had to dock the crank. I thought that you just had to stop cranking and that it would be fine. But imagining it having to to dock the crank for me is like it's too stressful. Like. <laughs> <laughs> it's extremely stressful. Yeah. Um, Ryan, have you played this? I am going to pull a Nick card on this one. I have it sideloaded and I have not played it yet. <laughs> one day, one day. Uh, so that, that came back to bite me this episode. But yes, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm really excited about everyone's description on this because I, like Nicholas, I did not realize the mechanics of the game and it sounds really fun and sp- fun, stressful. <laughs> I'm going to have to open this up from the, the name got me chuckling like it did you, Nick. And, uh, but I thought that it was going to be more of a Nick game, meaning like a big, long sprawling story, epic game. Um, but I, I'm glad to hear that it's more of a quick, you know, point chaser. Uh, mm-hmm. and then you can kind of duck out quickly if you want to. And uh, your score is measured in the number of documents you've shredded. So <laughs> <laughs> pretty great fantastic (laughs) um well don what's what's your game this week oh i was gonna mention real quick that a lot of these games they really need like a friend list leaderboard integrated in them (laughs) like if it had on here orion shredded 60 documents or avoided x amount of tax dollars and nick avoided other another amount that'd be something to chase instead of having to pop in and out um i don't know that'd be fun uh, so I was going to pick Biotopico, which is a, a cool breathing game, but it's it's more in beta, so it's not quite finished. So I switched at the last minute. I decided to go with a game called Crunky, 
Crunchy. that a lot of people have been talking about. Yeah. Have you, did, has anybody else tried this one yet? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Crunky is another one of these quick, high score chasing games. Basically, your your guy is constantly jumping. Uh, he's like similar to, um, gosh, someone on uh, on our Discord was talking about their game Flea, and I can't remember his name right now. Uh, low. I don't have my phone on me. I'm sorry that I'm forgetting your name right now. It's the guy that made the uh, disco. Oh gosh, I'm forgetting everybody's name <laughs> tape, right now. Tapeworm disco. Tapeworm disco puzzle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he made that game, but he also made a game called Flea. So the same kind of thing. So your little character Crunky is constantly jumping and using the crank to switch his position from left to right and jump over other characters and other obstacles that are coming at you. But the cool thing is, as you run into them, they get added to a. I think it's called a Crunkopedia. I'm turning the game on right now. And so as they kill you, crunk, yeah, the Crunkopedia, as they kill you, they get added. So you kind of want to get killed by all the different characters so that they can get added to your encyclopedia, your Crunkopedia. So I have kind a of question fun. for you. Yeah. I was under the impression that you started amassing new characters in the Crunkopedia when you progressed far enough that that mm-hmm. new character appeared I didn't yeah. think it was when they got you. Is is it is it when they get you that they, they get added? They appear, but when they get you, they get added. Huh, interesting. But the longer you okay. play, the more new characters appear. Yeah. But it, I, it isn't until they kill you that they're added, is my understanding. Huh. I, think that, I think it specifically says that in the game. Okay. Because um, I only you, have like three or four entries. But I've died to the same read those words a lot better than I did. <laughs> okay. And I noticed, uh, did you notice Turnip Boy is one of the, the villains? One of the characters from another tax evasion game, Turnip Boy uh, evades your taxes or something. I can't commit commit tax fraud. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Another indie game. So he's one of the characters in here, which I thought was really cool. So there's also a time mode, Uh, arcade mode. You're just collecting coins, and then your high score is how many coins you collected. Time mode, obviously, there's a timer running, so you just try to stay alive as long as you can. Um, There's a nice stats page too. I love this. Another great game. Pick, pick pack pup has a really comprehensive stats page so does crunky lots of stats i love this total deaths total jumps how many revolutions of the crank you've made is registered in here love that so uh yeah give me more stats very cool little game it's name your own price but uh i think when you click the button it says two bucks totally worth two bucks more of this kind of thing but i want to see i want a leaderboard please add a leaderboard i want to see ryan's score on here <laughs> Nick and Nicholas, have you guys played this? Cranky? No, not yet. I I really don't know about it, so I will have a look afterwards. It'll be I've, in the show notes. I've got uh, got it side loaded, Ryan, and uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> hope to play it one day. Nick's the only person out of memory on his play date. He's got all four <laughs> gigs taken. <laughs> only played Bloom though. So, Don, just a quick update about the price on Crunky. Um, it used to be a couple bucks, and now it's pay what you want. So oh. uh, if anybody's looking to give it a quick try before they give it a quick buy, uh, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I really enjoy this one. I sideloaded it, and I played it. Uh, this is one I actually did. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I... This is another one I ended up playing a lot longer than I thought I would. The concept is really simple, um, but I like the fact that you're like uncovering new characters and recording them. And like, it's really, 
an odd but good incentive to keep playing additional games and trying to find more characters uh, because the gameplay can get a little repetitive. You're sort of bouncing around and avoiding uh, things from not only the bottom, but also the top. There's like flying elements too. But uh, but yeah, I, I played this a surprising amount. Um, when I first got into it, uh, you know, I'm, I am big into pinball and so physics are big in my mind. And when I was playing this, it was like, well, you jump up and then you can just wiggle your character back and forth all the way across the screen in a very strange way. And I'm like, oh, I don't know about this, but it really did sink its claws into me and I ended up playing it a lot more. Uh, so yeah, I'm glad you talked about this, Don, because it was close on my list to talk about this week too. It's it's deceptively difficult. It seems like because you have so much room, you can move from side to side. It, oh, this will be simple, but no, you're, yeah. you're hitting stuff way, way too soon. And plus, you're trying to get those coins too, and occasionally, uh, you know, enemies will come very close to your path that you have to take. So, yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Yep. Cool. Well, Good should pick. we get to our season games of the week? Boop, 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 boop. Season games of the week. The reason Nicholas is here. Nicholas, would you like to lead us into hypermeteor territory? Yes. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of the reasons why, why I wanted to be guest uh, on the show is actually because I love so much hypermeteor and I wanted to talk about uh, the game that is absolutely, I think, brilliant. Um, so to summarize the game, I think uh, a lot of people compare it to Asteroid because you the first enemies are kind of like meteors that you uh, break into multiple pieces and so on. But I, I think it's very different from uh, from Asteroid. So one of the main differences is that you cannot shoot. You just control your ship with the crank, you turn the crank, you can boost a bit to go a bit faster and to kill enemies you have to bump into them but the enemies usually have black and white and you can only bump into the white part of the enemy so often it requires you to turn around the enemy or to angle you properly to shoot the enemy to break the enemy and so it, it's already a brilliant mechanic but there is um if you go for scoring there is a combo system where you ha you have to keep uh beating enemy uh, every, I don't know, like three seconds, five seconds, I don't know. But one of the goals is to keep the rhythm to make sure that you have enemies to feed, basically, to make sure that mm -hmm. you can continue the combo. And uh, I don't know, like, I, usually to get a good score, you need to have, like, over 100 combo, and you have, there is a lot of stress uh, related to that because you have to keep killing, killing enemies and enemies and enemies. So when you lose your combo this is this is so distressful because you have to start a bit from the beginning and to rebuild your combo but uh that's uh, yeah that's really brilliant and for me it's it kind of remind me of when i was playing geometry wars that was it's a very arcade game but very intense and i'm like so focused uh, when I'm playing, like, like I say, I, sometimes I stop breathing. No one has to talk in the room. I'm like <laughs> hyper focused. And like, that's, that's like, I keep playing and playing. It's, it's like one of the problems is just I have other games to play from the season, but I keep <laughs> coming back to hyper missile. I cannot stop it. And there is a leaderboard and the leaderboard uh, is, it's really good for the game. Uh, for sometimes I was in the top 10, but with new player keep 
playing the game now i'm getting kicked out and like a lot of people on discord also like on the official discord not the official like the squad discord yeah squad they, they are really like battling for scores and they get really amazing scores so that's really uh, inspiring so yeah uh, hypermeter really really brilliant uh, arcade game and uh yeah what did you think about it all right, so you are NIC on the uh, leaderboards, right? You have a gamer tag. Am I still in the leaderboard? I am not kicked out of the leaderboard. La- last time uh, I, I looked, there now. was an NIC that was number yes. six. Okay. Yes, it's me, uh, Nick. Yeah, I'm. I'm a lucky one. I'm, I'm not uh, like a number guy. I have to <laughs> <Right>. name. <laughs> You're not a phone number like the rest of us. Uh, <laughs> last time I looked on the squad, there were two guys that were like they were on YouTube, right? Like filming themselves chasing each other for the number one spot yeah. but they were like they got up to like twenty thousand points or something ridiculous oh, it's amazing yeah and yeah. i cannot imagine how stressful i would be if i had this type of score Twenty eight thousand is a high yeah. score right now this is amazing <laughs> nicholas what is your high score uh i think i have Seven thousand eight hundred, wow. and wow. my goal crazy. is to beat Mr. Mo, which is the developer of the game. So I, I just want to have this pride <laughs> of just like getting better than the developer of the game, but uh, it's still out of reach. It's not out of reach. I mean, if, especially if you're playing a lot. Yeah, he's. I think nine thousand something. So I think it's doable, but I need to. I need quiet, a lot of quiet time, <laughs> and a lot of time. Uh, my high score is 669 right now. So, oh yeah, 28,000. So when I first started it up, I like I looked at the how to play screen. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I know you, you hit stuff, you push B or bomb or whatever. Then when I turned it on, I I fit perfectly into one of the little ship-shaped uh, cracks. And so I thought that's what you had to do. And so I kept dying over and over and over. I'm like, I'm getting right inside the cracks. I don't understand what's going on. So I had to go back and read, oh, no, you got to be in the white part of the, the ship. And so then it was a lot more fun. And um, Nick, or excuse me, yeah, Nick knows that I hate asteroids. But I had a lot more fun with this. I don't like the feeling of my ship just like floating a random direction while I'm trying to aim my gun the other direction. So in with Hypermeteor, the fact that I could boost and constantly just worry about where i was going was satisfying and then after a while having to okay i need to leave i can't just clear the screen all the time that's not going to keep my combo going um i'm not good at video games but i did understand that okay i want to keep at least something alive so let me boost Mm -hmm. this and then leave the little like three there's always like these three little rocks or frequently three little rocks floating around okay i'll leave those three little rocks until i got nothing else to go for then i'll hit those three and then hit something big so i like there's a lot of variety um watching the videos i saw like these black hole type of things with like little things orbiting around them and i was like oh i i haven't seen those for myself i've just seen those in other people's gameplay so i like that there's more out there if i do get good and i used to love geometry wars and this i see what you're saying with the geometry wars comparison but uh i like that has a gun too i love twin stick shooters and um this is like pacifist mode i guess on geometry wars right <laughs> where you, yeah, you had yeah. to survive but you couldn't shoot uh but you do have the bombs i do like that you have the bombs so if you really get into it you can hit the bomb and 
at least wipe the screen for a second. Yeah, I don't use the bombs that much from because it cleans the screen and you take the risk of if you don't have an enemy to uh, kill just behind you, lose your combo. And I think this is a really nice risk and reward. It's just the bomb is really good because it, you can get a lot of points if you have like overcrowded with a screen, but you have the risk of like suddenly my screen is empty and I have to chase another enemy to keep my combo go, going. And I think it's a really nice uh, really nice system, but I don't use the bomb so much. That risk Maybe reward, this is why I don't have so much high score. <laughs> I don't know. Well, what do you guys think, Nick? Uh, yeah, I, I really like the game. I feel that um, it it is kind of similar to Asteroids, and I can definitely see the comparison there as well as to uh, Geometry Wars. Um, but another game, which I think it's kind of sort of similar ish to or maybe this is wishful thinking is ikaruga um where you're a ship and you're shooting and you switch between black and white um but you can only damage enemies of the same color so your ship is white you can only smash into white stuff and blow it up um i think that the game might be improved for me (laughs) as a a very poor player in a couple of different ways. One would be if uh, you could change the color of your ship so that you could uh, attack things from any angle. So as long as you, the player, have the control and the the mechanical skill to switch colors appropriately, um, then you can keep doing that. And of course, you wouldn't have to do that since everything is structured in at least two different colors pretty much. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. The other thing is the crank sensitivity. So I find that I want to make these big sweeping moves sometimes, and that gets me in super serious trouble really quickly um, rather than using very small, fine movements. Um, And uh, that's a bit of a... It's like uh, changing your mousing speed. (laughs) It'd be kind of nice if if you could do that. Um, But those are are, uh, Nick handicaps for this game because it's... uh, um, it's perfectly playable as it is. And I also wanted to mention that the uh, music reminds me a lot of um, like a Terry Kavanaugh game, like Super Hexagon. Um, I, I thought it was uh, very good. Yes, mm-hmm. I, I think, like, now that you mention it, it's true that there is something uh, very satisfying, like from Terry Kavanaugh, something similar. So, um, yeah, I mean, the music is brilliant. Yeah, like it's yeah. the rest of the game, of course. Let <laughs> me. <laughs> Did you guys try stopping the background wallpaper? No. You tried that mode? Yeah, I did. I I was wondering if it would make things less disorienting or I I didn't find the moving background disorienting, but I was curious if it would, if it would affect my gameplay. I don't think it did. Um I think it just sort of becomes white noise when you're in gameplay looking at your ship and the obstacles you're trying to either mm-hmm. run into or avoid. Um yeah. Did it make any difference for you, Don? It just felt weird, I guess. Like <laughs> To have the bland. background moving or not moving? No, to have it, it not moving, it felt bland or something. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it was noticeable. It looked like hotel room carpet or something. <laughs> but moving, it felt more dynamic or more 3D. Or, I don't know. I, huh. I liked it more moving, for sure. I, I kept it in non-moving. And I, just, mm. I think it just... I don't even see it when I'm playing. I don't care if it's moving or not. It's just... I could care less if it was there or not. The the gameplay mechanics are are so great. You know, when when Nicholas uh, contacted us about coming on this show for this game, 
I had not played Hypermeteor yet. And I thought, oh, well, let's see what this is all about. Started into it. You know, it, it takes a, a little bit of learning at first because like Nick was saying, there's a particular sensitivity to the crank, but I feel like I've really... I'm not Nicholas level yet. I think I maxed out at like 1600 or so, but uh, I feel like I've really got a handle on the crank now where I can maneuver the ship appropriately, even to the point where like when you're passing those other ships, there's like uh, other triangle ships that appear first and they're slow and dumb and you kind of have to come at them from behind. But if you sort of pass by them real close, you can even just like wink, like mm-hmm. switch that crank and just nudge them with your nose. You don't even have to like swish around and come behind. You can just make these little tiny movements that can, you know, demolish what you need to if you're being very precise. Uh, so I, I thought that elements like that were really fun and interesting, along with anticipating the movement of these obstacles that you're trying to run into. Like for the for a while, when I first started the game, I was like, oh no, there goes the white spot. And I was like chasing it. And I'm like, wait, why am I doing that? Just go around the other side because it's going to come back sooner there. So like, oh, you know, figuring out stuff like that. And uh, it's it's interesting how I found myself really starting to think one and two and three and more steps ahead in order to accomplish what needed to be accomplished. Uh, so long story short, I feel like I totally understand why Nicholas contacted us because this is such a great game very uh you know obviously taking clues from past games but really making it its own game in a very fun way yeah i think with the variety of enemies um it's really interesting because you approach movement differently each enemy is really push you to move differently and so every few level as you progress through the time basically new enemies get unlocked. So you have like this aiming enemies. And uh, as you say, Ryan, you just have to get them from the back. And so it really teaches you a different movement and a different way to move. And there is like this type of like black hole later on when you have to, you have like an orbiting uh, weak point basically. And so you have to wait for the weak point to come. But when you hit the weak point, the big points you just totally destroy them so you just have to plan and everything like that so yeah uh, it's really good so i think i I wanted to come back to one of the nick comments regarding the the crank sensitivity and i believe this is similar to uh white uh wipeout white Water. Water water yeah. <laughs> oh, sure. God. Okay. <laughs> WW. Um, that um, it's really relative. So if you move the crank up, the mo- the ship will move up, and if you move the crank all the way down, mm. it goes down, and it, it becomes oh. very natural of where you oh, go. Okay. And I think there is also like a slight physics. So it, it's very tiny, but with the boost, sometimes I I feel I'm drifting. You know, like I just like. Mm-hmm boost and stop and i start like kicking the enemies like with my butt with the <laughs> ship you know and you just go in yeah. the other direction I, there is something very intuitive about it which i love the boost because it's also give you a very different pacing so often you have like very hectic moments you have like to beat three enemies in a row and suddenly you have to be very slow to keep the combo going just to catch stuff so it's never like 100 uh, stressful and intense and everything that you have like 
some softer movement and suddenly you have to uh, speed up and everything like that. So there is a really a lot of variety in these few minutes because a playthrough is usually like maybe three for five minutes. Uh, it never goes so much higher than that. But yeah, I, I really love the variety you experience during these few minutes. I was going to ask you what your play times are like when you're hitting a score like 7,000. I, I think it's around five minutes. Huh, huh, okay. Wow. Yeah, the, I found that it was easiest for me to play if I didn't focus on boosting unless absolutely necessary. So I completely ignored the combo system and I found that I was able to survive through many, many multiple levels further than I would have if I was really focusing on chasing combos. Um, as you mentioned, that's a, that's a great risk reward uh, as far as having that ability to chase combos and the risk reward of the bomb. Um, in later levels, if you don't focus on boosting, it gets extremely challenging. And I say later, I mean later for me, which is not very far. But um, yeah, it's a, it's definitely a fun game. And I, I, I don't mean to uh, diminish it with my critiques uh, of a couple things that would make it easier for me. <laughs> but now that I know that it's a relative cranking mode too, that, that really helps. For some reason uh, with this and Whitewater Wipeout, I had a real hard time getting adjusted to that. Um, mm -hmm. I, I also like <laughs> drifting into the enemies. It's so fun when, uh, you almost accidentally smack into something and <laughs> you think you're going to totally explode, but, uh, it works out in your favor. So yeah, this, uh, this game's a lot of fun. Do you think crank sensitivity is something that Playdate would add to the settings at some point with the system update or is it pretty much one-to-one? I think that will, uh, you mean like in the system itself? Yeah, where you could adjust the actual sensitivity, like you could with since Xbox some games, controller. Since some games really rely on being up and down, like relative, I think that they, they wouldn't add such option. Okay. Yeah, is that should be done per game because really on on the programming side, you can really decide how you react to the crank. That should be a setting per, okay. per game. On the okay. programming side, can you create a setting in game to adjust crank sensitivity like for not the on the hardware tool? but you can just read the value from the hardware and on the game side you just multiply by your own factor basically to hmm. to tweak the sensitivity you can do that yes okay interesting cool cool well is there anything else we want to say about hypermeteor before we rate it nicholas Thanks. this is your last chance you have to play it and you have to give it a fair share because I think it's the more you play it. Yeah, it's not a asteroid. You really have to play it and understanding. And, and uh, I'm sure Nick will also absolutely love it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> He'll come around. I, I do enjoy it. I do. Uh, one thing we didn't mention is who the developer was. Uh, oh, we didn't. Vertex Pop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they. Um, I was gonna say they've made other games. I I own their Super Crush KO, which is a pretty fun uh, side-scrolling. It's a platformer, but with kind of a cool combo system. And Graceful Explosion Machine. I've got that one too. That's a side-scrolling shooter. We are doomed. Doesn't ring a bell. Have you guys played any of the other games? No, no. I think I played the shooter on Switch, like um, Explosion. I don't remember the name, like. Yeah, Graceful Explosion Machine. It was pretty early on when yeah. Switch came out. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very cool games. So, yeah, Vertex Pop. Check them out. Cool. Well, uh, right, should we how rate about it? we hop over to Zipper? Oh, oh we got to rate We're, it first, don't we? We got to rate it, Ryan. Oh, come on, Ryan. Whoopsies. First day or what? <laughs> I thought we were waiting until the end for that. I, I thought I got scolded for that on an earlier episode. <laughs> we'll always find something wow. to scold you for. Don't worry. Okay. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> Done. Where do you put this? <laughs> I, I'm going to put this number four uh, right after Flipper Lifter. Nick? And for me, it's number five, uh, and that's uh, right after Pickback Pop, actually. Ryan? I think I'm going to put it at number three. Uh, that is Above Casual Birder, which really surprises me, and right under Kranken's Time Travel Adventure. So uh, that's where it sits for me. How about you, Nicholas? Where's this rank in season one games for you? I, I didn't rate all the games. I don't know, but I will definitely put it number one. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Above Pick Pack Pop? What the Above, hell? Above, oh, yes. <laughs> Don't ask me about Pick Pack Pop because I will put it at the bottom of the list. Oh. I see oh. in the game, so. <laughs> oh. You sound like an artist. After you've looked at something for so long, it's hard to look at it anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, um, Nicholas, I know it's very early in the morning there. Do you want to hang out for a few minutes? We've got about 10 minutes left in our normal time. Do you want to talk about Zipper for a couple of minutes or you want to oh, like, yeah. head out? Okay. Oh, no, I, I would stand to the end. Okay. Don't want to overstay your welcome with us. But uh, let's talk a little bit about Zipper. It is by Bennett Foddy, probably one of the most uh, well-known developers for the season one. Let me, uh, oops, I pulled up. Uh, I got so many tabs open with all these indies. Let me get the uh, page open for Zipper because it is an unusual game. Zipper is a tactics puzzle that recalls 8-bit isometric classics on the ZX Spectrum and MSX, a ridiculously swift swordsman, seeks re- revenge on a castle full of enemies. So, uh, like I said, Bennett Foddy is best known probably for Quop for old people and getting over it with Bennett Foddy for the youngsters. Uh, but he's made a lot of very interesting games. So um, check out his stuff if you're not familiar with his name. But what what should we say about uh, Zipper? I mean. I'll jump right in and say this this reminded me of like chess or something like a very cool stylized bloody chess and I'm like a little too dumb for it but I feel like <laughs> as you play more chess you kind of get better at, at how the rules work and whatnot and so I feel like it's still within my I don't know. I feel like someday I'll get better at zipper, but I'm not there yet. I'm still very much like, what did I do wrong? I, I made a bad move and I paid for it because as you make a Ron move on this, on this isometric grid, um, a rival swordsman can attack you and kill you. And then you got to start the whole castle over again. And it happens a lot. Um, so I encourage listeners, if you're unfamiliar with zipper, the name doesn't really mean a whole lot when you see images of the game. So I encourage you to click a couple links, look at a YouTube video and see the game in action because it, it has a very, very uh, interesting look to it. But um, yeah, let me hear a little bit from you guys on what you think about zipper. I don't want to take the whole time here. Uh, Nicholas, let's go with Nicholas. 
Yeah, uh, I, I I had an interesting experience also uh, with this game um, because I also find it very challenging. But I had the chance to check it out before release when we were like testing the season as developer preview. And at this time, I couldn't progress. Like I I was dying and it was very difficult. And for some reason, something clicked with me. And when I played after the official release, suddenly it was much easier to 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 play, and I was able to pass much uh, further in the game. I am still blocked, so I'm, I didn't figure out everything. So maybe at some point I will have another epiphany, something like that. But uh, yeah, I, I think some something that is really important in the game to understand is that you use the crank to preview. Uh, how your move will trigger enemies, basically, so you can see if you will die or not. So you start, you plan your move ahead, and you just crank to see when the enemies will start attack you in the next move, and you can see if you can die, basically. And so before moving, you can just crank it. It's like I will die. I will do another move instead. So it's an interesting um, flow. Goes to Sushima um, mode. Is it like that in Ghost of Tsushima? <laughs> no, I mean, it no. just becomes a ghost samurai when you're using the crank, right? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think something that is really appealing to me is just uh, how cinematic, weirdly enough, the game is. Because, um, of course, it's black and white, it's a play date, uh, it's fixed screen, and there is a lot of waiting. Every, nobody is moving, you know? You are waiting, planning your move, and you press A and... Everything happened. And it feels very much like a Kurosawa movie where everything, it's fixed camera, everything is waiting, there is black and white, there is a lot of mood. And I really love the little portrait of the characters when you they talk because it's just tiny, but there is so much character, there is so much uh, cinematic element to it uh, that mm-hmm. I find it very interesting. Yeah, I agree. This game oozes personality and it could <clears throat> have just been blocks and dots moving around but the fact that they came up with this storyline this um this theme to overlay over top of this puzzle game essentially i thought was really interesting um i am having similar experiences to everyone that's spoken so far that it's interesting puzzle game but it's difficult for me to progress very far. I feel like I need to spend some more time with that uh, Kyle uh, Rimkus. Uh, what was it? Ky- Kyle Rimkus zipper tips and <laughs> really like read through that and understand the movements of each swordsman a little bit better. Uh, I've gotten to the pike man with the long pole who mm-hmm. can like attack you from a couple spots away. And I have not managed to defend Feet him, but I have managed to move past it to the next screen. So I, I'm, I'm still not sure how to defeat that person. Anyway, uh, like I said, I probably need to spend some more time learning and understanding the moves of each specific character. But um, I have been able to progress through maybe five, six, seven different screens so far. Um, yeah, Nick. How about you? How is this one hitting you? Um, I am really terrible at this game. However, uh, <laughs> I really like it. Um, I've spent a lot of time in my formative years playing uh, 8-bit computer games, and this 
since you say it's uh, modeled after ZX Spectrum, that makes a lot of sense now. Um, the uh, key that I've found is what Ryan was saying, uh, understanding the movements of your opponents. And there are many different types of opponents that you'll encounter throughout the game. Uh, the map is fixed. Uh, however, there are different points of interest on them, which uh, are randomized throughout each playthrough. Um, so it behooves you to kind of memorize uh, the types of opponents that appear on each screen and um, the way that they move, and then you can progress uh, quite a bit easier. The thing that I found that is perhaps the best hint of all, uh, until I heard Nicholas's uh, <laughs> uh, explanation of the crank, which I had no, I, I had not even tried to use the crank. Um <laughs> So uh, now this game will probably be a lot easier to me, but um, I, <laughs> I I would move one square at a time and then observe <laughs> my opponents. And that also sets them up in a particular way. So depending on the opponent, uh, you can get them to move in just the right square so that you can zip right past them and slice them. Um, it does depend on the opponent because different ones have different abilities. So... Um, Anyway, I, I found this fun. Uh, the goal is to get into a castle, which is always located in the uh, kind of northwest corner. But in order to do that, you have to find a key, which is placed in a randomized location. Mm -hmm. um, finding that key has eluded me thus far, but one day. I found it once. Like I had to pass a ninja. That was really interesting. But I like this element of randomness because, yeah, as you say, that the map is fixed. But because elements are randomized, every playthrough still feels very different. I mean, it's a good balance between randomness and fixed because a lot of early screens also are fixed. So are at least mostly fixed. But, yeah, uh, it's a really well-designed game. But very hard. Very Bennett for the style <laughs> it kind of gives the game legs you know you can play it for months or years down the road you can still revisit it i noticed that a lot of the indie itch games seem to be like you can play it for once for 10 minutes or an hour or whatever and once you kind of see everything that's there which is fine it's kind of there's still interesting experiences but i like that a lot of the season games seem to be something that you could revisit um so i see myself kind of coming back to this one uh i love the sound effects and Nick, when you go to use that ghost mode, uh, if it's a bad outcome, then the sound effects tell you like, hey, you, you don't want to make that move right now. That's which is really cool. The tells are really cool. So uh, honestly, I don't have a whole lot to say because I am terrible at it and didn't get really far. I do like that there's a life gauge. so You can't just like screw around all day um, making little baby steps because eventually you will <laughs> run out of steps, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so there is a little bit of balance there, but, uh, yeah, he's known for making punishing, uh, Benefati is known for making punishing, but I guess rewarding games. And I feel like this is in that ballpark. Totally. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, any, any final thoughts on zipper zip right through that one. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's rate that one as well. <laughs> I'm going to put it. Where's this okay. one going, Don? I'm going to put it at number 10, right after Whitewater Wipeout. You've got Whitewater Wipeout at nine? Oh, my land. Yeah. <laughs> That's how good this season is. That's how good this season is, right? Yeah. 
I'm going to put this at uh, number nine, right under Lost Your Marbles, and above Whitewater Wipeout. And I'm going to toss this one. Don't yell at, at him. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You've got Whitewater Wipeout even further down. We're going to have to have words after this. Anyway, I'm I'm putting Zipper at number eight. It's underneath Flipper Lifter, which I found a little more approachable, but above Boogie Loops. I feel like if I I, I probably say this every week. I feel like this might be a mulligan option for me where if I get to know this game a little better and can progress further because of a greater understanding, like Don's very apt analogy, like in a game of chess, I feel like this could rise in the rankings for me pretty quickly. But um, that's where I'm at right now. Number eight. Yeah, look at your list. You have Nick's number one game at your dead last, number 12. Where it should you, be. Have, no. you have my, <laughs> Demon Quest 85. You got my number two, Echoic Memory, at your number 11. Well, yeah, we do need this, to have a talk. We need to, This is so cool, though, because uh, obviously there's not a clear winner. Like season there's, one games mm-hmm. are super strong. And they're strong, and I there's love, something for everyone. And yeah. I, I jest with you guys, but I, I think know. this is super cool that we have such a varied ranking system for our season one games. Yeah. I think it's really great. Yeah. I, yeah. And you see the variety of people, like what they like and everything like that. It's mm-hmm. so different each time. I, I just l- love the variety of the, of the season and how people mm-hmm. respond to it. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much for listening and Nicholas, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you listening and, and reaching out and making such a wonderful game with pick pack pup and, Amen. I assume you're going. You're making other games. I I don't want to put you on the spot, but are you are you working on anything else for Playdate? Are you still excited mm, about uh, it? I have a lot of prototypes, but okay. like nothing, like nothing like that is resembling like kind of a game that I would work on. I have nothing to pitch to Panic, for example. Okay, it's just experimenting, and it's also very fun to experiment with the Playdate. So, yeah, since you were in season one does that mean you have an in with panic or do you have to toss your next game into that open call with everyone else <laughs> I, I guess I, I will have a bit easier time I could reach people and uh, maybe skip some <laughs> steps uh, that's a bit of an advantage but we also had the the um, call the call for pitch we had that also earlier in the official discord with the developer preview so we could already kind of pitch game a bit earlier but uh, yeah that's interesting the main advantage yeah very cool well, all right uh, is Nicholas, it all right if I, I, I also your, wanna... uh, oh go ahead I was also just going to say thank you to Nicholas for coming on today and for listening yeah. and for making a fantastic game. Uh, it's been a pleasure chatting with you here today and sharing in your excitement about Hypermeteor. And thank you for replaying. Like I was a bit like, should I contact people because I really want to talk? And so it, like, I'm a big fan of the podcast. I think this is uh, really nice. And I al- always love the Indie Peak of the Week because it's always like there is so much new games on Playdate, so it's good to hear. Like, oh yeah, maybe I should try that and that try that. So I, I was. It's a really pleasure to be there with you to talk about really great games. Thanks so much. I appreciate that. Uh, is it safe to put your uh, Twitter handle in the uh, show notes so okay. folks can check you out, see what you're up to? Sure, sure, sure. No problem. All right, we appreciate that. And listeners, thank you so much for listening. If you want to reach us. Check out the show notes, uh, our website, playdatepodcast.com, 
or uh, Twitter, Hello PD Podcast. Those are probably the best ways to get a hold of us. But uh, all right, well, we will be back next week with week seven games. We're more than halfway through the season now. Crazy. If we don't get a week, if we don't get a season two in, in what two months, we're going to be all indie picks for a while there. So, Ooh, I think the season goes. two will take a while. I would I think so too. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah, indie pick podcast. Well, yeah, um, according to Krista, season two is a ways <laughs> off. That's what it sounded like. Yeah, and don't forget to check out that interview Ryan Ryan put up. So, anyway, thanks everybody. Thanks again, Nicholas, and uh, we will catch you next week. Great to chat with everyone again. Bye. Thanks, everybody.